Welcome to Finding Sublime, our first podcast of 2023. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether you're here for the first time or you're a repeat visitor to our podcast. I just want to introduce myself again. I'm Michelle. And I'm Jason. And we're a married couple living in Japan, doing this for the love of it. And we really love to travel, eat, see beautiful sights. And overall, we're always looking for ways to just slow down and get a break from our busy lives. And even if you're in Tokyo, we are also keeping an eye out for ways that you can just slow down and get some peace of mind, even in the midst of the craziness. That's what we're doing here. And one of the interesting things that we discovered as we started to end 2022 is that we were getting this, I don't want to say severe burnout, but we were definitely um, burning the candle at both ends, right? We were. I was feeling quite tired from a crazy year. It was definitely a year full of ups and downs, and we lost some loved ones, and we had some challenges along the way. But at the same time, we launched this podcast, and we started putting ourselves out there just for the love of sharing all the beauty that we see in the hopes that we would help other people connect with it too and get that enjoyment, whether firsthand or just enjoying it vicariously like our friends and family in other countries. For me, on the work front, I was just really, really busy with work right into December and it was really hard to slow down. I had to tell myself, take a break, take a break. And disconnect, right? Yeah, it can be hard to disconnect. And I think as somebody who has a history of being a bit of a workaholic, there's a kind of anxiety that comes in when you think about, well, if I'm not busy, is there something wrong? I've noticed that sometimes I actually have a discomfort with slowing down and doing nothing because I think I have an urgency, a tendency to just be doing and creating and achieving and striving. But I know deep down it's so good for me to rest, let my brain rest, let my creative mind wander. And I have to do this very, very proactively. I think we've also determined that we can see a little clearly once Mm. we've taken time off, right? Absolutely. The results are immediate, actually. Going back to those of you who are new to the podcast, Jason and I have a weekend house in Izu, which is in Shizuoka Prefecture. and South of Tokyo, a couple hours. Two-hour train ride. And we come down here a lot. We love to spend time here. And we have found that when we come here, we almost immediately relax and it's like i feel like a different version of myself being revealed as soon as i step foot in this place i don't want to say coming down here this last time was a bizarre sort of awakening but i came in and i immediately felt more calm i felt like i once again i did disconnect and it Mm. was great even though i still have you know things to do with some freelance and I have to work a little bit, Mm. I just felt like I was in a whole different place, not just literally, but figuratively as well. At the end of the year, we knew we had to get away and some friends of ours moved from Tokyo to Hokkaido to open guest lodging. They had spent so long creating and building this house and it's Mm. in the middle of these, uh, this farm area. So during the summer, it's lots of vegetables and really green and in the winter it's filled with all sorts of beautiful snow and there's a lot of pride going on with the farmers in the area and everybody's super nice 
So we went up there knowing we needed to escape and we just relaxed. We drove around the area, saw what was going on. We're able to talk to them about why they wanted to move from Tokyo to Hokkaido. And it was really just to create their dream and craft their dream. So building this lodging was something that they had uh, been planning for a while and it was optimal time. I'm really excited to share the YouTube video that we're working on. Well, at this point, Jason's deep in editing mode, but we did interview our friends about this place that they just opened. It's called N the Suites, and it's in Furano. The town of Furano is smack dab in the middle of Hokkaido, right in the middle of farmland and ski areas. There's actually a view of the ski slopes from their place. It was nice waking up and seeing that. Yeah, and in the other direction, they're in this valley, so there's mountains all around, snowy, gorgeous mountains, and it was really heading into the heart of winter while we were there. We got there actually right, literally just days before ski season because they got so much snow dumped on them the day after we left, actually. It snowed while we were there, but they got a lot more snow after that. Just really, it was really, really honestly so gratifying to see our friends live their dream that has been, you know, they've been percolating on these plans for a long time. Yeah. And anyway, so we, we did make a video about that that we're gonna be sharing on YouTube very, very soon. Um, but that was a great start to winter because I think just getting in that cozy mindset after the autumn in Japan, we were traveling a lot. I still feel very energized by the autumn here because the air clears up and you have these blue skies and these vibrant colors everywhere. In wintertime, it's, I love that silence, that, that, that just the way that the snow kind of muffles the sounds and, you know, it's just more of a still kind of wondrous time, especially up there. It's, that fluffy powder that Japan is so famous for. Everybody keeps saying, oh, you haven't skied or you haven't snowboarded until you've done it in a Hokkaido. So. Now I understand why. And we weren't even there for the skiing, but it really was incredible. Just fluffy and dry snow. And, and, and it just seemed to pile up and up and up. And not that, you know, when we lived in New York, it was like, you know, it would snow and then it would melt a little and then it would freeze and then it'd snow on top of it. And I don't even want to talk about what was in that snow. Yeah. Lot, by the springtime, <laughs> we'd find lots of disgusting things that were frozen in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely don't miss that. But I really think I have a new perspective on winter from being in Japan and, and particularly our trip to Hokkaido. So look forward to going back there and experiencing other seasons there as well. At the end of the year, we knew we needed to keep that mindset. We needed to slow down again or continue slowing. So we literally just took a break from a lot of things. Another thing about the end of the year that I just really love is the solstice and the way the days are getting shorter and shorter and darker and darker. It's definitely weird to still be at the office in the afternoon and look out the window. It's and like it's, four o'clock. Yeah, and it's dark. And... <laughs> I can't say that I really like that, but I like nature and I found that the more I pay attention to the cycles of nature and just kind of lean into that and appreciate it for what it is, because it is fleeting, right? I, it, we're already into January. I can already feel the days getting longer. I can sense the longer days. But around the solstice, the shortest day of the year, one of the traditions in Japan is to 
put yuzu fruit, yuzu citrus into the bath. And whether people do this at home or they go to the public bath or an onsen and those places might have a special yuzu bath for the day. It's, it's a really special tradition because it's so simple. You're soaking in a hot tub and you're just enjoying this incredible fresh smell. And the, the yuzu citrus are this bright, bright yellow and they just bob around in the water. Yeah, they're not cut up. They're, you know, they're obviously washed and then put in the bath whole. There's something so delightful and simple about this idea. And I love baths in general. But I really, really love the idea of this yuzu bath and the solstice. So even after the solstice, I I kept putting intention into my baths, like making good smells for my bath, making bath salts, um, and just taking the time out of my day whenever I needed to. And sometimes that might even be first thing. Like if I didn't sleep well, I'd actually think, well, the bath is how I'm going to reset myself. So I might have a bath first thing in the morning. Or maybe I'd have it at the end of the day just to wind down. But I really, really love this cozy bath tradition for the solstice. So that was a nice a nice way to spend the end of the year, just taking more baths <laughs> and just like physically relaxing. And I'm a feel- shower guy. Feeling good. <laughs> hey, I suppose you could put those yuzu in the shower if you wanted to. And then we got to Christmas, which is actually really different in Japan. Um, it's not celebrated as a religious holiday like around other parts of the world. It is a time where people celebrate uh, each other, go on dates. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a very uh, sort of commercial holiday here. Totally. You can see the, you know, the, the holiday decor everywhere, the Christmas music. I'll never forget going to the home center. It's called Kinds. They're blasting Christmas music all day, every day, and yet there's not one single Christmas thing for sale in the whole place. There's no gift wrap. There's no Christmas ornaments or decorations. I I just think Christmas is almost like a Halloween type thing. It's the decor and the festiveness of it, and it's a date night for people to go out and have an overpriced multi-course dinner. Yeah, maybe with Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah, kind of like Valentine's Day, um, but it's not a family holiday so much. It's not definitely not a religious holiday here. Yeah. But you know what? The New Year's is. It's some, mm. something that is celebrated very in depth. Correct. Yeah, as literally the day after Christmas, all the everything switches to New Year's stuff in the stores and the displays and it's really really uh much more deeply embedded as a not just a a cultural holiday but a spiritual holiday a family holiday and it plays out over a number of days in japan in the sense that there's a lot of preparation leading up to the new year in japan specifically and i actually love this people clean their houses and go crazy with organizing clearing out, um, dusting every little nook and cranny. And that's part of the great tradition. Just think about how good it feels when you're in your home and it's all clean and organized. That is how the Japanese like to start off the new year. They like to have everything all tidy. And they also, I think in theory, might be cooking and preparing the new year's foods. Although a lot of people simply order them and have a professional take care of that. But even when it comes to the food, the traditional meal is called osechi, osechi ryori. 
And every single one of these foods has a symbolic meaning around longevity, around abundance, prosperity. What's in the osechi? There's so many things, but one of the things, for example, is the shrimp. And the shrimp resembles a hunched over old person. So the idea being that may you also live to be a wonderfully hunched over sweet little old granny or grandpa, which, you know, that's just one of the bites and they all have all these meanings. And and I'm the last person to really uh, speak on all the meanings, but just knowing that each thing has its own inherent Mm, symbolism and lucky meaning. I mean, we've been with our friends and they've explained these things. Usually by the time we get around to the Osechi, everybody's been drinking sake and it's just... We're okay with that. Too. We're okay with that. I mean, uh, some Japanese people have said they don't even like osechi, which, I mean, I guess it is. You're eating these sort of cold dishes that may or may not be tasty to you. You know, they're pretty. I like them. They're tasty. They're it's filled with tradition. Kind of snacky. Right? I guess people like the idea of nibbling on things and not having to cook. One of my friends was just telling me the other day, oh, we, we just ordered a bunch of really nice osechi and put it in these. They, they have these uh, very decorative kind of stacked lacquer boxes that they display everything in. And, you know, just nibbling on that stuff for a few days and not having to worry about cooking and prepping and cleaning up. I'm also okay with this. Yeah, I, I really, <laughs> really love it just philosophically. So I think for me, I've really embraced New Year's in Japan. And to that end as well, on New Year's Day, even if it's right after the stroke of midnight, people go to pray at the shrine. And that's called Hatsumode. I love the idea of starting off the new year with prayers and wishes for wonderful things to come. And, you know, wishing goodwill for everyone that you know and love, maybe wishing for world peace, just putting out good intentions. It's, I just... It could be for good health or prosperity or, you know, so many things, right? I think New Year's is really for everyone. And even though it's at a shrine and you can go to a temple as well, I feel like it's a very open, accessible tradition that even if you're not Japanese, when you're here... Everyone goes and does this. Everyone is is at the shrine making wishes and it's just it's just smiles and good times and honestly we've had a lot of nice weather. It seems like every year on New Year's Day we've had some pretty good weather. That's because we're in Tokyo and that's Tokyo winters, I guess, but it's just good vibes. And then people have off work for a few days. So I guess similarly you know, we're we're hoping that they find time for calm. I guess it's sort of what that, what those times are around the new year for a lot of people in Japan. That's, they can do a whole lot of nothing, right? Yeah, it's it's one of the few times when you can count on just about everybody having at least a day, if not a number of days off. You know, some of our friends who work in restaurants in Tokyo, they always are looking forward to a few yeah, days. They love the, that yeah, time of year, right? Exactly. So I think it's it's really helpful to have that built into our culture and. I really like the reflection time. For me, it's like my daily journaling habit, but on a mega, mega deep dive where definitely around New Year's Day or or right after that, I, I'm not necessarily making New Year's resolutions per se, but I really like looking back at what I've written in my journals leading up, you know, to the end of the year 
and reflecting on what's happened, um, kind of honoring all the things that have happened, good and bad, thinking about, you know, in this case, last year, like I said, we lost some very um, beloved people. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to get over it because it's a new year. But I think looking ahead at the year and thinking, how can I do right by the memory of those people, for mm -hmm. example? Um, and what did I learn throughout the year? Um, also, of course, what were the highlights? And what kind of things do I want to repeat? Like, what friends did I have a wonderful time with? I want to... I'm sorry to interrupt you, but can I just say, we made some great friends 2022. Yeah, we sure did. I know. I feel the people are such a big part of that feeling of abundance. Just, wow, there's just some quality humans out there. And I feel so lucky. And that's the kind of thing that just happens organically. You can't make it happen. You know, when you're a kid, you have your family and... You're kind of stuck with your family, whether or not you like your family. I love my family. I have a small family. But beyond that, you grow up and sure, you can have kids and you can, you know, you can still have your family and grow your family, but also your friends and that community that you have, you can choose how you want to grow that, how you want to sort of feed that and nourish that. So I feel super grateful that we've been able to do that more in Japan and in Izu as well as Tokyo too. People are so cool down here and everybody's been very welcoming. Not at all like, you know, you hear, oh, they moved to the countryside and people were treating them like outsiders. Everybody's been really accepting and curious and mm. really giving too. Yeah, people giving us random little homemade treats or fruits from their garden. That's very reciprocal. It's totally reciprocal. So we're always um, giving and receiving, and it's really fun. And yeah, it's, there's always it's a, a way a of smile. being. Always many smiles. Yeah. We'll be out in the yard doing this, that, the other. Neighbors will walk by. We'll have a good chat and nice smiles. Mm. And um, I think that's a great way to live and to be instead of being sheltered or closed off or um, you know, I find it really delightful when we're here, mm. it allows us to do what those things and allows us to rediscover every time mm. that, Hey, guess what? We can live in a different state of mind here. Mm -hmm. And I think we really appreciate it. Yeah. I, we definitely don't take it for granted. It's true. It's hard to get that in the city. And you, again, you can't force that either. It's just a nature of urban living that people have their blinders on and ourselves included. People are just trying to get from A to B. It's crowded, it's noisy, and you're just trying to get through it all. Down here, gosh, we we get to our house and, and sometimes within an hour, we've already seen like three or four neighbors just out on the street or whatever. Right. I love that. And I look forward to meeting more people like that. I think that now that we're really getting to know the area, we'll be connecting with even more. Yeah, I think that way about Tokyo as well. Definitely. There's a lot going on in this world, no matter where we're at. You know, I think my some of my goals for 2023 are to find more of those spaces. Mm. I want to go back to Shinjuku Gyoen. Mm. to, you know, take time to sit there in the middle of one of those big grassy fields and maybe draw. Mm. You know, if I have a time in my day where I know I have, you know, have to commute to the place and I can kick back in the place and then come back home to, you know, finish my work or whatever, mm -hmm. I'm going to clear out time so that I can go and relax in the park. Yeah. And, you know, I know we're uh, going to have a couple videos about places 
to relax in the city or to clear your mind in the city. So be looking for those. Definitely. Now that tourism is back with a, with a vengeance and there's so many more people coming into the country and I've heard that Kyoto is bustling and crowded again. And, you know, certainly I'm seeing, I see tourists in Tokyo. They seem so visible to me now. Um, they're everywhere. And I really want to be able to share places that people can enjoy that don't necessarily even require money. It may require money to get from A to B, but I want to share places that if people just need a break in the midst of their itineraries, hey, here's a place where you can find a little peace and solitude, which it is not always easy. In, in a city like Tokyo, when you need the break, you know, it's nice to know where to go. And sometimes it's like, God, I don't even. So what we're trying to get at is, you know, we work really hard to make time for ourselves, whether it's chill or in time where we can sit and do a whole lot of nothing. But when you are here, we hope that you can go to Shinjuku Gyoen. We hope that you can go to... Hokkaido, even. Hokkaido. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we like a really um, interesting park near uh, our apartment. It's called Rinchi no Mori. Uh, we do have a couple videos on our YouTube channel about it. But what it is, is you can go and walk. You can go and run. You can go and sit. You can go and play. You can go and have a picnic. And that is the perfect space to go to if you're in Tokyo and you need some time out. It's called Rinchi no Mori. We'll put a, a link in our description uh, along with some others so that if you're in Tokyo and you need some time out, check these places out. Mm-hmm. And there's more of that to come. That's one of the things we've always intended for Finding Sublime is just to share those special little nooks. Everybody needs a break. This world can be so Indeed. overwhelming. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all about feeling good and helping other people feel good. So You know, in this particular episode... We're reflecting, we're thinking about what's coming. It's a little bit different, Mm. this episode, Mm. but I feel like we want to just express to you what we've been feeling over the last, you know, month and a half or a month. And it's important for us to let you know that we're real people behind this, this podcast and YouTube videos behind our tweets and our Instagram. There's, it's us and we're working hard to Mm. carve out a place for calm and we look forward to sharing more of those places and those times and those thoughts with you and we also have some meditations that we're going to be sharing on youtube that are meant to help you mentally escape and just feel good so stay tuned for that that's something that um, i've been doing for colleagues i've been leading guided meditations it's time to share it more broadly with with anyone out there who wants to hear them so we'll let you know more when those are ready those are those are in the works but um yeah a lot to come and we appreciate you listening we it really means a lot to us definitely We hope that this is something that will just bring a smile to your day and maybe a little inspiration. And yeah, I hope you want to keep coming back. Thank you so much for dropping by. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.